Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. That team sure did suck last night. They just plain sucked. I've seen teams suck before, but they were the suckiest bunch of sucks that ever sucked. Steve Rosenblum. There was a keg stand. I lost to an 81-year-old lady. She got off the main <laughs> floor, and then, and, but I was, it was really close. Mark Grody. I've been waiting to get a hold of this guy for years. Yeah, like like Channel 2 News is out there interviewing people. Yeah, I've been talking to my wife about getting Steve. He wants connected my dots and more to my plate. I'm going to dunk his ass. They suck. So you don't have to. Can't you morons do anything right? Founding members of the WB Club. Smoke weed every day. The three words that describe this show, and I quote. Stink. Stank. Stunk. It's Saturday Suckage on the score. We should be 670 WSUK. Good morning. Welcome in. Saturday Suckage. Saturday Suckage here on The Score. Sports Radio 670. Time for roll call. Don Cooper. They all suck. Grobber. It sucks and it freebases. Mike Tomlin. Uh, Sucking. Jake Arietta. This sucks. Really, it does. Brian Cashman. I also know that we suck right now. Albert Almora. Damn, Willie, man, like, do we suck? Chris Rock. I suck so bad, he used to pick me after the white kicks. Pat Fitzgerald. Sometimes you gotta embrace the suck. Eloy Jimenez. Hey, you guys not gonna make anyway. You guys are suck. And when, when I got trade the next day, oh, welcome to the suck team. Toby. Oh my God, this suck. Random Bears fan. Steph Curry. We suck tonight. We'll get better tomorrow. Just a rough night. So uh, no real explanation, really. Just got uh, got beaten every facet of the game. Terry Bores. Finally made a list of somebody who thinks he sucks besides I do. Finally, there is a god. The cast of Avenue Q. 
It sucks to be me. No. It sucks to be me. No. It sucks to be broken, unemployed, and turning 33. Mark Grody. I'm Whatever still trying. <laughs> Didn't know that was coming. Didn't know. I, I don't even know what that was. Yeah, that, that was Mark Grody as Layla Rahimi, or at least his attempt. So I, I, are the Bulls trying to get on this list? Are they pandering to <laughs> our show? Is that what's going on? Because I'm still trying to process another blowout where Steph Curry was obviously he's a superstar, but his friends weren't there last night. I saw Steph Curry in the city last night before the game. He didn't look great. So I, I, are they trying to get on our list? That's that's all I want to know right now. Well, one of the newest members of our uh, second roll call scored two points. Steph, Steph, uh, Steph Curry, two points, and he missed three threes in the first quarter. The the Warriors, as you said, were already without Clay Thompson and Draymond Green, and yeah. the Bulls still gave up thirty-seven points. I'm thinking that's not a good number. Over to you, Mark. Over to me. Well, I love the Alfonso McKinney put-back jam. That was absolutely <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I love the fact that Lonzo Ball was four for six from three early on. But I have to tell you, I I had to watch the game late and finish it this morning because I was out for a while last night. And when I got home, and I, I was following the game, and I got home and I turned on the TV, it was ju- it was the third quarter or the fourth. It was actually the fourth quarter. And it just felt like it was just the wreckage of what had happened. Like there's body parts floating throughout the ocean and little pieces of wood. And like it was just this wreckage, like the whole United Center had gone cold. And all you could hear was the bouncing basketball. And I was like, wow, this must have been something. And then I watched it between last night and this morning. And it was pure wreckage. Dead men tell no tales. There were no survivors. Just keep singing. Keep playing the band, though. Let the band go on. No, let's let the band go on. Well, let's see. And and as if all that wasn't bad enough, the Bulls are allowing an average of 138 points this week as they head into Boston tonight without Zach Levine. That last part is the important part, without Zach Levine. So let's find out how long they might or might not be without Zach Levine and what it means to be without Zach Levine. And we are going to welcome into the score, back to the score, the score's hotline presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book, Cody Westerlund. He covers the Bulls or what's left of them. Mark wants dental records and body parts, Cody. So what do you know today? Well, we're waiting on the results of Zach Levine's MRI on his left knee to see how significant Uh, That injury is that he left with about four minutes into the game last night that was a total destruction, like you guys said. So everyone's kind of holding their breath. Obviously, the initial kind of private feeling of the Bulls is that he's avoided serious injury, but that shouldn't be confused with, oh, he might only be out a couple games. That could be the case, but like serious injury means he's probably not going to be out for the year, but he could still be out for a few weeks here, depending on how bad um, the knee injury is or even longer. And we asked DeMar DeRozan last night, you know, like, what will you tell Zach about this injury? You know, how to how to kind of handle it and everything. And DeMar was like, you know, I'll tell him to do what's best for him. Like, we'll hold the fort down, even though the Bulls haven't been holding the fort down the past couple nights. And I would expect the Bulls to be very cautious with this injury um, of Zach because, look, they have a really good opportunity this year to make some noise and you can't rush a guy like him back. 
MRI today, is that right, Cody? That's correct. I think it's supposed to happen this morning. So I would expect uh, information sometime in the afternoon or at the latest, Billy Donovan should have information um, pregame tonight. And, and there's no reason to think or be concerned that it is the left knee, the same one that he had the, the torn ACL in, in, in 2017 when he was with Minnesota. Yeah, you know, Casey Johnson, our, our friend at NBC Sports Chicago, reported that the, the focus wasn't on the ACL concern or anything with that. So uh, I'm not a doctor. Uh, as far as I know, you two aren't doctors. We either. just play one on the radio, Cody. But you're Steve, certainly Steve is good kind of a doctor. Yeah, yes. Steve's, so, Steve's kind of a being doctor. Being Jewish yeah. is close yeah. enough. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll have to see how that goes and let the experts explain to us what, what might be wrong later today. We're talking with Cody Westerling. He covers the Bulls for the score. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Rohde with you discover, discussing the disaster. So 37 points in the first quarter when Steph Curry only has two. And there's no Draymond Green, and there's no Clay Thompson. It's like, oh my God, that's awful. But guess what? That was good compared to the second quarter when they gave up 41 points and in an abominable first half. The most damning thing, Cody. Tell me what you thought of this quote, because to read it and and to hear it, you just there are always layers to things like this. But when DeRozan says the effort wasn't there. We was a step. Sh- we were step sh- step slow, a step behind, fouling, giving up easy shots, transition, kind of a snowball effect for a different combination of things that bit us in the butt. And it it is either no effort to care or no effort. Period. So I don't want to overstate it. Give us your view, your perspective on that. Yeah, I don't. I don't put as much emphasis on the player saying the effort wasn't there as if Billy Donovan had said that, for example. And Billy has maintained here lately, even though he hasn't liked the Bulls' attention to detail, he's thought the effort was there. Now, I think last night, certainly, they were very, very slow to respond defensively, seemed out of sorts. I don't know if some of that was a focus on Steph Curry. If you go back and watch like the first quarter and second quarter, like you said, the Bulls did a pretty good job on Steph Curry early, but The Warriors were getting really easy looks just using Steph Curry as a screener or as a guy that drew attention off various actions or a couple back cuts to the hoop for easy baskets, guys popping open for threes because two bulls were focused on Curry. So that's what the Warriors do better than anybody in the NBA. I mean, better than anyone in NBA history. They also leverage Steph Curry's shooting threat to get easy baskets, not just giving him the ball to score. So uh, I thought what... DeMar DeRozan said, I I didn't view it as he's calling out the entire team's like effort and manhood and everything like that. I just, I just think he thought their spirit was bad last night. They were steps slow. He kind of said no effort. I don't think he's sitting there calling out the whole team. Like we didn't show up at all here and everything. Like that's how it ended up looking at the end of the game. I think Zach Levine's injury kind of took their spirit down. So I know some fans are probably hitting the panic button. I, I don't feel like that's where it's at right now. If these weren't on national TV and didn't end up quite so ugly, I don't think it would be such a big deal. But look, this is NBA season. There's 82 games. There's going to be a one- or two-week stretch that's really, really rough for every team. Steve Kerr just talked about it. Until last night, that was what the Warriors were going through. They'd lost four or five and gotten demolished by the Bucks the previous night on national TV. So uh, in the NBA, I don't think it's ever as good as it seems, even when the Bulls are in first place in the East and up a couple games. And then it's never as bad as it seems, too, is what I would probably remind everyone about that. So you, so you don't really have a big 
picture cynical takeaway from these blowout <laughs> losses to the elite because that, that's where a lot of people are going Cody. i mean it's a serious question like a lot of people are, are making big picture like okay the bulls are not there yet they're not an elite team they're not in that class sounds like you're not necessarily going with that angle i, I do agree that i have a takeaway and my takeaway would be like, look, the Bulls aren't 42 points worse than the Warriors, and they aren't 40 points worse than the Nets, which they were also down, I think, at some point the other night on Wednesday night. But it's clear they're not in that class, right? Like they are, the Bulls right now at best are a tier two title contender and would probably need an injury of substance on other teams in the East, like the Bucks and Nets, to win a seven game series against them. I think what these last couple games have showed. And I know that Alex Caruso isn't here. I know Javante Green's out as well. But I still don't think the Bulls are one piece away from being on an even playing field or close to even playing field with these teams. So, like, I would think after watching these past two games, the idea of, oh, should the Bulls trade Pat Williams for Harrison Barnes or Jeremy Grant and address that that power forward position with someone who's just a more established player, a better scorer, and can help help lift them to title contention this year. That has shifted my viewpoint a little bit. I, I don't think the addition of one of those two guys would do much to put the Bulls still above the Nets or Bucks in any way whatsoever on an even playing field. I still think they'd be a tier below. Like you just look at how easily these teams got buckets against the Bulls. And again, I know Caruso's out, but these teams, the Nets isolated the Bulls again and again and didn't turn the ball over. The Warriors took good care of the ball early in the game against the Bulls for the most part. And when the Bulls can't force turnovers, they can't get out in transition. And then the Bulls' own offense suffers. So, like, there's some structural things with the Bulls where they can't get to that level. I think these other teams can. So I would be very careful about mortgaging much for the future um, if I was the Bulls to compete this year, even though it's a golden opportunity in many ways, you can see. But these teams in the East are there's two teams, at least in the East, that are clearly a lot, lot better than the Bulls still. When you look at a championship standard, we're talking with Cody Westerland. He covers the Bulls for the score. We are the score. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Rody with you. The Bulls uh, <clears throat> have a uh, been giving up one hundred and thirty eight points a game this week. That's what they average. That's what they you know, Cody, I, I found it interesting, and and tying in with your, to extend your theory about, your, your point about where these Bulls are, it's a growing period as this roster was this roster, and it was very impressive that DeRozan and Levine, instead of playing my turn basketball, were playing complementary basketball. They were owning the fourth quarters, and it didn't matter which one, as long as one of them was doing it. It was a spectacular thing. And this is when Vooch suddenly lost the ability to finish at the rim. For whatever reason, he can't do that. And all these parts were mixing together, and now they're hurt, and there's COVID, and there's a whole bunch of problems going on as they try to grow. And there is the idea of, well, you gave up 138 points twice this week, and that's no first-place team in a conference has ever done that. Wait, they're in first place in the conference, however it happened, and how whatever might be lurking with Levine's injury. I found Donovan's comment really interesting that DeRozan was the only guy who has any experience being in this spot in the standings at this point in time without being wide-eyed. So, given the circumstances, if they keep this, they keep the band together, this figures to be a time to grow as a group or not, or, or what is, 
What are you looking for? What are the signposts along the way with the current situation, figuring Zach's going to be out a while, and these other guys have to catch up to what DeRozan knows about competing this from this point in the season on? Yeah, and Billy's been hammering that point home, too, and I, I think it's just become uh, – there's been more clarity on it here lately as the Bulls had that nine-game winning streak and then have been in this rut here, I think, where they lost three of four. So, I mean, what I'm looking for is it's hard to evaluate this team when everyone's so injured because we know this team can't accomplish what it wants to in the postseason if it's not healthy because this is not a team uh, that has enough top-end talent and depth to do that. But you go back to DeMar and Zach in the fourth quarters. Uh, It was seamless early in the season. Whenever Zach does get healthy, you want to see him maybe just be as efficient as possible and having the best decision-making he can in the fourth quarter. Like his ball handling has been loose at times in big moments. Uh, We've seen previously in his career he forced some shots when he's the only offensive option the last few years for the Bulls in crunch time. So you want to see Zach keep taking that step. You want to see guys like Kobe White take that step and handle the moment, and he's been playing better recently. He had a poor game last night. I think every bowl pretty much had a poor game last night, it it felt like. So those younger guys, I think that's where you would turn. Uh, And obviously, look, like we're looking at a two- or three-year window here for the Bulls, including this year, um, when you look at DeMar DeRozan's contract situation. But even if you look down in the future, like the Bulls can bring Zach Levine back on a long-term contract extension. Lonzo Ball's here for quite a while. Pat Williams, the Bulls hope, will be a key piece of this team. Like These guys can transition from year to year and take on bigger roles and start learning that right now. You know, like Lonzo Ball's a really good basketball player who hasn't been in playoff moments either. So you want to see him take those steps. And he's another guy that tonight is questionable with left knee soreness. So who knows what the Bulls may look like tonight against the Celtics. We might not learn much on that front. But the Bulls are in a spot here where they do still have a little bit of roster balance just by way of age with Vooch and and DeMar DeRozan being on the back end of their primes and Zach Levine just getting into it. And then younger guys like Lonzo, Pat Williams, stuff like that, Kobe White. So uh, it is a situation where they can kind of balance two worlds still. And that's why, to my earlier point, I think they need to keep trying to do that. I think that's one of the things we have learned uh, this week with the Bulls. Cody, you mentioned... Lonzo Ball and something interesting that was pointed out I did watch the national broadcast just to see what they were saying about the Bulls and Jeff of the Van Gundys when Lonzo Ball (laughs) and he was hitting his threes man he was hitting his threes he was four of six from three he has been efficient from three this year he has seemingly overcome what was a rough start to his shooting career and what Jeff Van Gundy said is that they're still not respecting him. They're still not guarding him. Do you think that will eventually happen? Is that something that the Bulls are going to have to be reckoned with? It's nice that they're not guarding him, but eventually they will? Well, if they do guard him, that means there's more space for Zach and DeMar. So I think most of Lonzo's shots, it feel like, feels like, as you point out, career-high three-point percentage, really high volume uh, as well for him. They're good looks generated by others. They're good looks last night. A couple were generated out of post touches or high post touches for Vucevic. So uh, in that case, for Lonzo, I think they're going to be okay. If you look at him as a player, like, okay, uh, the other team guards him better from the perimeter. Yeah, that is a problem for the Bulls because right now that's that's a reliable um, form of offense for them every night. So for him, the next step would be 
after he has established his three-point shot better and improved it so much is driving to the rim and finishing better, right? Like, he goes to the rim, and he's not a good finisher at the rim. It can be really ugly sometimes. Sometimes he's looking to pass. So, like, there's always something. There's always another skill. And, look, Lonzo's still young. I think he's 24 probably right now or so. And he's got a lot of room to improve in his career. That's why I like that signing, too, right? Because he's a guy who's, I don't know if you want to say NBA veteran yet, but he's got experience under his belt and has been improving year to year and is so smart. So uh, that goes back to a championship standard, too. Like, some people would say, like, where's Lonzo Ball fitting the Bulls? Obviously, he's, he's considered a role player. Is he a good role player? Yeah. Is he an elite role player? I don't know if he's there yet. If he can go to the rim and finish well, yeah, he gets to that spot. Yeah, he gets in a conversation to do more in his career and maybe get a little all-star consideration as he gets in the prime of his career. So, like I said, every single player in this Bulls team, Billy Donovan has been hammering it, like, needs to be better and improve because some of their weaknesses are really getting exposed against good teams. For Lonzo, I think he's been really good on the defensive end. We know he shares the ball well, shooting the three-pointer well. His next threshold for improving would be going to the rim and finishing better. Cody, keep us posted. If you hear anything on Zach Levine, we'd appreciate a, a heads up. But thank you for joining us, jumping on real quick today. We appreciate it. Will do. Have a good rest of the show, guys. All right, thank you. That's impossible. Thanks, we suck. Cody Westerland covers the Bulls for us, and and we will talk more Bulls at 1 o'clock when we talk with Chuck Swirsky, the voice of the Bulls right here on The Score. Bulls at Boston. Chuck's pregame at, uh, I think it's 7.15, right? Isn't that it? It, is it back to standard? Yeah, because it's been it's been so wacky yeah, with seven, the schedule as of 7 30 in Boston, yeah. So at noon, we will talk with Ryan Horvat of the host of Bet MGM, and that's a nightly show. We will talk with him about the playoff games and the Bears and whatever props they are they're offering on coaches and GMs and all. And at twelve thirty, a guest I've been pining for, Amy Trask. She's the author yeah. of the book You Negotiate Like a Girl. She is the former CEO of the Raiders, the Raiders. She was hired by Al Davis, promoted by Al Davis. She was a confidant of Al Davis. She ran, she was the chief executive officer of the Raiders from 1997 to 2013. We know that George and Ted are just goofs and with the mistake after mistake after mistake, we know that they are an embarrassment in town. What is the view from outside? What is the view that around the NFL we're going to ask Amy that, among other things. And in the meantime, we're going to do what Mark heard. Yeah. I think we need to do that. There's a there's an, an owner, well, a chairman who needs to be talked about and a quarterback who must not be named. And there's a former coach and, and, a, and a former quarterback who might be the coach. And boy, doesn't... These are not connecting dots. This becomes a whole Escher thing being written on itself. But Mark will help us sort that out. Won't you, Mark? Isn't that why you're here? I will. I will. And I've got all my, you know, charts up on it's like a it's like a law and order perp wall where you have like you're putting the puzzle together. You're saying this guy's connected to that guy. This guy's yeah. connected here. So maybe that GM will be hired and Bill Polian worked with this guy here and George McCaskey knows this guy and they're really into this type of per so it's it's a spider web of confusion. Well that's great. Then that fits what we're talking about. <laughs> yes. D- dots right. are very the dots are jagged. The, right yes, now. they are. They're we're we're doing this in pencil. All right, that's Mark Grody. I'm Steve Rosenblum. We are Saturday Suckage for you, and we will take a break. And when we come back, we will discuss 
the Bears, such as they are, and the state of the team and the quarterback and who they're talking to, who they should be talking to, who they have talked to, who they'll talk to today. There's a lot of talking going on. Chicago Sports Radio, 670, the score. Rack and yak. It's time for What Mark Heard on Saturday Suckage with Mark Grody and Steve Rosenblum. Boy, everyone is stupid except me. Indeed. Before we get to our near award-winning segment, What Mark Heard, let me ask you something. You want to cash in during the pro football playoffs? Try out Giving Props, a free-to-play contest on BetQL.com. Every round of the playoffs, we'll post 10 props. Simply create an account and make your picks for a chance to win $2,000 in weekly winnings. Plus, just by signing up, you're entered into a random grand prize drawing for $10,000. That's 10 large in gambling lingo. Get started today at BetQL.com props. That's BetQL.com props. Here are a couple of wild card round props. Tom Brady, over, under, 294.5 passing yards. Travis Kelsey, over, under, 87.5 receiving yards. And now, the clear winner, the runaway winner in our near award-winning segment, what Mark heard, Mark himself. Mark! Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. It's a pleasure to be here. Steve, good to see you. You look great. You sound great. I love it all. So, we are going to start with the the chairman of the board of the Bears, George McCaskey. And my, I'll just say this. I think it's okay. I think it should be a requirement of whomever the GM is or the head coach is to, yes, to be on board with Justin Fields as the quarterback going forward. I don't know how George McCaskey feels about it. He might He might feel the same way but he did not want to budge on giving an answer one way or the other. Let's take a listen to Mr. McCann. Question. I think what, what we're asking is, it's not a hypothetical. If a candidate, you're a fan and you say that you like what you see in Justin Fields, but if somebody who is a football person that you're interviewing, the head coach candidate or a GM has reservations about his potential, does that potentially disqualify that person from getting a job with you? Well, I don't want to get into a semantics uh, debate with you, but you're the first word of your question was if um, that to me presents a hypothetical and we don't know uh, what the candidates have had to say because we haven't interviewed any of them yet. We want to know what their plan is for that position for the bears. His thinking Justin Fields can be a franchise quarterback, a prerequisite for either the general manager or the head coach of the bears. We want to know what their plan is for the quarterback position for the bears. I think it's okay that George did not want to reveal publicly which way they stand on that or answer that question. I actually do think because you don't need to give that away. You don't need to necessarily limit the candidates. You could at least get intel from them, even if they're not on board with you. Steve, how do you feel about Do you agree with me that it should be a prerequisite that Justin Fields is your guy at quarterback, considering where he was drafted, consider number one, for me, I do think he's going to be good, controllable, young quarterback, and you simply don't have the assets to go out and get another franchise quarterback at this point or potential. I, of, of all of the the goofs that George McCaskey made of the way he came off of the 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 socially the 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 awkward way he answered so many questions and just the the expected 
nonsense. I thought this was the right phrasing. I know he got criticized for this, but the idea that he said the quarterback position was either a sign that he's – I don't know why he did that. I want to believe for Bears fans – I want to believe that that's a sign of growth. And here's here's why I'm saying this. You remember when we we go back to Ryan Pace coming here, the, the, the guys who inherited Jay Cutler. Emery inherited him and gave more money. Ryan Pace inherited him. And, and a story in the Athletic detailed it very nicely today about how the Bears, how George McCaskey and Ted Phillips – made a mistake in every decision they made by sticking their new hire, whoever it was, with something, with, with an, you know, a leftover. With, without failure to break from the past completely. And specifically, if it came down to Ryan Pace and Chris Ballard, and Ballard had gone in with the idea of saying, we're going to get rid of Cutler. I don't care if he's got two years left. We need to get rid of him. And I'm reporting to you, George period. That's it. Chris Ballard didn't get the job, and we see now that he was right on both counts. Ryan Pace, could, do you remember that time he and John Fox were, you know, whining and baleful and uh, regretful and resigned? Oh, he can't do anything about Jay Cutler. He's Nobody wants him. He can't be traded. Blah, blah, blah. Whatever that was. It was very yeah, sad. They, they, it was like this. We're, we're handcuffed. Feeling. Right. And that's what handcuffs an excellent word because that's what Ted and George did. And this this highlights the further the, the all the errors that Ted and George made when they kept saying George said, I'm a fan. I, I don't make football. You know, I don't make football decisions. Ted said I'm removed from football decisions. Well, they couldn't be more wrong. So they're either lying or stupid about that because every time you stick somebody, you stick Lovey Smith with Phil Emery or you stick a quarterback with a general manager or you stick a quarterback with a new head coach, you're making a football decision. And Ted and George did that. So they either, they're unwitting co-conspirators in this, this tsunami of stupid that they created, or, and, may, and maybe they were. And maybe they did it on purpose, and maybe they could, they talked themselves into thinking we're not making football decisions. But they were making football decisions as soon as you stick a coach with a general manager, which is why I cringed when I thought George might hire a coach before he hires a general manager because he's doing it out of order, and he's making a football decision, and it's just idiocy. So the fact that he used the quarterback position and the fact that we're going to watch the Cardinals in the playoffs – with Kyler Murray, what, a year after they had made a whole big to-do out of Josh Allen, right? Oh, my God, Josh Rosen. Josh Rosen. I can't I, – I'm – all those Joshes. Okay. I mean, you can't spell Rosenblum without – You can't without messing – without screwing up Rosen. something. Yeah. Come on. There's no know? Josh and Rosenblum. But anyways, the, the, the idea that they could the, – the, the Cardinals listened – the Cardinals looked at, quote, the quarterback position, not the quarterback. They looked at the quarterback position, and they moved on. Whatever, yeah. whatever they could do, whatever they could, whatever their assets were, however they could make a move, it was the quarterback position. It wasn't, you have to work with this guy. Because guess what? Justin Fields is an ATM. He's, he's a turnover ATM. <laughs> You're right. You're you, get right. A, yeah. you get a pick, and you get a fumble, and you get a pick, and you get a – I don't I've, – I've seen spasms of what might be good. 
I've seen far more crap. Maybe that's the coach. Maybe that's the offensive line. I, I And maybe it's all of it. But I like that George said, and I hope he. I hope it's a sign of growth. Do you understand what I mean? A sign of growth. That he's I do. Looking- no, I totally do. That that he. Yeah, he kept that coy. He kept that. He kept that to himself because if he says it publicly, then he might be taking candidates off the board, whom, if nothing else, you can listen to and get intel from. And maybe even, even though I like Justin Fields, and I do think it should be a prerequisite. It is possible that some candidate blows his socks off and says, you know what, we could get this guy and this guy would be great. And maybe, you know, like like I'm that's sort of the nuclear option that somebody wants to go a different direction and they're blown away and the plan sounds feasible to all of us. Like that could happen. But I still think for the reasons that I laid out that it that they should go in thinking and not giving it away necessarily to the candidates that you got to make this that, that this quarterback is does have the raw materials to be good or great someday with the Bears. The coach they're interviewing Nathaniel Hackett today I believe the Bears are the the quarterback's coach in Green Bay. So he certainly that's a it's a good place to learn stuff and they, they apparently Jim Caldwell's on their list, and Jim Caldwell has ties with Bill Polian. Um, he certainly knows his share of offense. He was, as, as Kevin Fishbane of The Athletic noted, he was 7-1 and one against the Bears as a uh, coach, and he was in Detroit. And Mark Potash noted that he's the last coach with a winning record, a winning, a winning percentage over 500, and everybody else sucks there, even Dan Cannibal, our favorite new Lions coach. So they're looking at those types of guys. What you don't want, part of what you're, what you don't want is somebody going in, well, I really need this job. I'll just give him this BS that I think Justin Fields is going to be great. I can work with him. I can, his, at some point, I feel Matt Nagy said that to Ryan Pace to secure the job. I don't have that as fact. I don't know what went on there, but I kind of believe that had to be because Ryan Pace made that secret decision. I believe yeah. some I believe Matt Nagy said that I could yeah, I can work with him. I it's, know how to do it. it. I it's almost like unspoken. Like there's an understanding, there's a wink, there's a like, yeah, we we're not saying you gotta like our quarterback, but if you like our quarterback, you're probably gonna get the job. And and don't you that's why that's why I want the GM or president of football operations, whoever you the top guy. I want him hired first. I want him to I, pick I his too. coach. I want his that those two to pick their quarterback. And I don't want somebody trying to get a job by saying what they think the Bears want to hear. I want that kind of honesty. And here's the problem. <laughs> the it's Bears a don't balance. Yeah. The Bears don't like honesty. The Bears the McCaskey Bears like comfort. They don't like being uncomfortable. They don't like discomfort. And that works against you in two ways. Brian Flores is the most extreme example right now of a guy who's going to come in and blow his nose on the blow his nose on the on the drapes and use all kinds of <laughs> dirty language that Virginia would would not want to hear, even though she's probably capable of it herself. But they don't like being uncomfortable. They want they like altar boys. They like Boy Scouts. They want nice people. They'll keep them around longer if they're nice people. Ryan Pace had good manners and good hair. And 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 they, they've always tried to hire the nice people. The last guy who made them uncomfortable, Michael McCaskey, couldn't wait to hire. 
A fire, I meant. He fired Mike Ditka. Mike Ditka made them uncomfortable. He was, he had zero bleeps to give. He was going to tell you honestly what was going on. The problem with that is you don't get honesty on one end, and you if you don't like uncomfortability in your workplace, as I believe the McCaskies don't, you don't know how to interview correctly. You don't know how to ask uncomfortable questions. You don't know how to make your subject interview subject uncomfortable and get a response and be able to read people. And it's really telling that a guy who's a former state prosecutor does not appear to be able to ask those questions or create that discomfort and be able to profile a person more accurately. That's my take from the outside. There has been one exception because you're right. They've since Ditka, they've all been really nice dudes. Dave Wanstead, Dick Charon, Lovey Smith, Mark Tressman, Matt Nagy, the name I didn't mention, and he seems to be the exception to so much, is Johnny Fox, who was not like a quote on he was not a cuddly personality by any means. He I've heard stories about him not being particularly nice to Bears employees and things like that. So you're right. That that has always been the case. And I was saying it yesterday. Like maybe look, we all like nice people, and that's not like a bad thing that they want to hire nice people, but sometimes there's opportunity costs. Go down on the personality scale a little bit, bring in a four or a five, and maybe you win more, but maybe maybe you gotta deal with a little bit of crap. But that that is what teams sometimes have to do there is opportunity cost with certain personalities with handing over maybe disproportionate power to somebody it happens and i I would not mind them taking that risk and and the guy that of course checks a lot of boxes one is is brian flores in that regard the other is jim harbaugh and that's that he's like the magical category he's the magical like all these realistic names coming in, and then he's Jim Harbaugh's his, his own category, his own topic, his own heavenly possibility. So, and and he doesn't have an agent, so that's why nothing really leaks about Jim Harbaugh, except for a couple times when things leaked from Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> but for all we know, they have he he is in the process of being interviewed because he keeps it pretty quiet. You know what? We'll take a break. When we come back, the next part of what Mark heard, it uh, let's have a former Bears coach talking about a potential next Bears head coach. Should we do that? I love the idea of that. Let's do it. Well, Bears. you bring it to us. He's Mark Rohde. I'm Steve Rosenblum. Saturday Suckage, we are plodding along and trying to prod the Bears into doing the right thing in the right order, even if the wrong people are the ones doing it. We are Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Welcome in, welcome back. Saturday second, Steve Rosenblum, Mark Rody with you. Playoff Saturday, wildcard Saturday. Want to cash in during the pro football playoffs? Try out Giving Props, a free-to-play contest on BetQL.com. Every round of the playoffs, we'll post 10 props. Simply create an account, make your picks for a chance to win $2,000 in weekly winnings. Plus, just by signing up, you're entered to into a random grand prize drawing for $10,000. Get started today at betql.com slash props. That's betql.com slash props. Here's a couple of wild card round props. We talked about Kyler Murray, who the uh, Cardinals will be going with in the playoffs today. The Rams and Cardinals, that game's a pick 'em. 
Kyler Murray over and under 248 and a half passing yards. So we're now in the second segment of what Mark heard. Mark, share with us. Yep. Uh, number one, you are adorable reading about gambling. I love it. Number two, <laughs> we are going to hear from from uh, Mr. Dave Wanstead. And, uh, Your Wanstead, guy. Yeah, he, of course. I always want Wani to be part of Op. this show. And Dave Wanstead is friends with Jim Harbaugh, and he was on with Parkinson Spiegel. And it just he he just like if you listen closely, he just keeps giving little bits of info and insight. He takes you to one point, then he pulls you to another. It's a little bit long, which has Caesar just throwing his arms up in the air. But let's <laughs> let's he, Caesar he's a, Perez, he's a, our producer. Poor Caesar's like a grody. Are you sure you want to do this? It's a it's like a five minute cut. It's not like your usual. One minute, I'm like, yeah, yeah, we're not. This is this would be only doing two cuts on what Mark heard. So we are we are going for duration on this particular segment. So Caesar, give it all you got. I like Jim. I'm a fan of Jim Harbaugh's. Uh, you know, not just because I coached him. I I think that you know what you get with Jim, and I think that. Uh, you know, you can see a history of, of how he's going to coach, and not just at Michigan. I mean, going back to Stanford, going back to the 49ers, I think he is a guy that understands the uh, athleticism and, and how you can use the athleticism of a quarterback. You know, obviously he had Alex Smith, and then he had Colin Kaepernick at the 49ers. They did an unbelievable job of moving those guys and using their athletic ability. So I, I don't know, you know, and Jim would be a guy that if Jim was interested and they were interested in him, that's an established head coach. You know, you're going to get all these young guys that are going to take this job sight unseen. I mean, yes, we'll take it. Oh, God, uh, you know, Justin Fields is the best in the world. I'll solve all your problems. They want the job. I get that. But at the end of the day, if you're going to get a guy that's been there and done a little bit of it, like a Jim Harbaugh, you can be sure that he has evaluated the talent on that roster. And, you know, he played against Justin Fields. If Jim would be interested in the job, he knows as much about Justin Fields as we do, as anybody, from studying him at Michigan and Ohio State. And if, if Jim wants the job and he's excited about it, he's got a plan, and I would trust him. I really would. It's interesting. I was reading today, uh, Coach, uh, from DeBear's blog, and they've had a couple things right, that um, that Harbaugh called the Bears last year after his bad year at Michigan, that there was conversation between Harbaugh and and George and Ted, just, you know, talking, checking in. Um, yep. so the relationship is real. You buy that, that they, these guys I have do. a relationship? I, I, I talk to Jim periodically. So, I mean, I'm, without getting into details of it, uh, yes, I believe that, and I think there's a mutual respect between both of them. Uh, I'm, I'm reading, and I don't know this, that Michigan's trying to extend them, blah, blah, blah. I would think, I mean, if Bill Polian is behind the scenes, the, you know, the, the, the biggest factor as far as decision-making, GM and coach, I mean, Jim played for Bill at Indianapolis. Now, I have no idea the relationship there, no idea. But if it's good, I mean, you, you know, who, who else could vouch for a guy personally than, than Bill Polian with Jim Harbaugh, who was his quarterback? It's, I don't know. It, 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 would strikes, all, it would all fit. It would all fit. Right. We, 
you don't have to formally request an interview with Jim Harbaugh like you do these guys who are employed by NFL teams. Is it the type of thing where if it is Jim Harbaugh, it's just going to be Jim Harbaugh and they're going to, you know what I mean? Like we're, we might not know that they're doing multiple interviews with him and it'll be some sort of like public flirtation. I, I could see that one just being like the bears have hired Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, I can see that too. Absolutely. You know, because of the relationships, Ted Phillips and Jim know each other and get along. George, you mentioned Bill, Paul, all the, all the players involved in this decision-making thing have a relationship on both sides. And Jim doesn't have an agent, guys. He told me that. You know, he does not have an agent. He represents himself. And so you're talking to one guy. There's not going to be anything leaking. It, it's coming from Jim. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's really pretty simple. I mean, it could be a Zoom call at midnight uh, and talk about it and maybe one personal meeting somewhere or somehow. And that could be the deal. I agree with you. It, it could happen fast if he was the guy. You know, Coach um, Harbaugh is my he number. Have an agent. Harbaugh is my number. <laughs> Harbaugh is my number one choice. Um, it and and the more you talk about him, over to it checks every box, doesn't it? It checks the old school Chicago connection box. It checks the knowing the the Bears box, but it also checks a modern offensive mind box, um, NFL success, uh, and as you say, the connection and knowledge of Justin Fields. Um, you, you know, you do this first round of interviews like you and Danny are talking about. Uh, it, it, really, the question is whether Jim wants to go. You know, Jim Jim just made the college football playoff, just beat Ohio State for the first time. But they got right. pa- but they got pantsed when they got there. I wonder if he thinks, well, maybe this is as good as it gets at Michigan. You know, like I just got over that hump and this is as good as it gets. I can tell you this firsthand, Speaks. Jim does Jim doesn't have the mentality this is as good as it gets and Michigan's got an upper hand. And Jim's mind we are there now and now we can take advantage of this and we can take the next step. And we're the team in the Big Ten. I mean, that's how Jim's thinking right now. And I know that for a fact. So, I mean, he's not uh, saying this is, you know, uh-oh, I better make a move because I've kind of run this. You know, Michigan's run its course. That's not the case at all. Okay. Uh, so, I, I can, you know, I know that for a fact. Maybe it's not as good as it gets, as Dave Wansed was saying about Jim Harbaugh there as it pertains to Michigan. But it's pretty close, man. It's pretty close to as good as it gets. So even if that's not his mentality, it certainly would be a good breaking off point. And Steve, the only thing that I would disagree with in terms of checking all the boxes, the whole old school Bears thing, I don't, believe it or not, I don't think that is something that is valued by ownership necessarily. It hasn't been valued since Mike Ditka, and that was a George Hallis hiring, and it did matter to him. They have not gone out of their way to hire ex-Bears or even those from the, the 80s Bears, which Jim Harbaugh was a part of in the latter portion of it. And Jim Harbaugh did not have a great experience as a player with the Bears. So you take out that part, and who cares? The rest of it sounds pretty accurate to me. I would hate that if Ted and George hire him, if Bill Polian recommends him, before the GM gets here. I want him to be the GM's choice. Because again, if they do this with Jim Harbaugh, and I think he's a terrific coach who's far more flexible than Matt Nagy, far more experienced. He's worked with a variety of quarterbacks that he made better, could help make better. And and I could see a much better future for Justin Fields with Jim Harbaugh than I could with Matt Nagy and perhaps some other coaches. But if he's not the choice of the GM, then Ted and George will have blown it again. 
Well, I just think it's I, awful. I, 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 and I will say this, that with Jim Harbaugh would probably have to come more power. So it, that does create a huge complication when we talk about what a slam dunk this would be. Do you think Jim Harbaugh would take an NFL job considering he holds the bargaining chips he does? Do you think he'd take an NFL job and just be the coach? I I don't see that. Well, no, he'd be the coach with 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 all kinds of personnel. Say he'd be the one telling right. the GM. He'd be the John Gruden kind of guy who told <laughs> to Mike, Mike Mayock, Mayock what yeah. he what he wanted. That would be yeah. that kind of situation. Right. And if you believe Jim Harbaugh is is if you're going to give him GM qualities. Without the title, why wouldn't you give him the title, too? Uh, I know yeah. it's a hard job for two people to do. I just think you you made a statement you want to do it in a particular order. And well, now, maybe, you know, now a, you, what a, you're talking about, Mark, is changing that. Let, let me ask this just for our texters, and I know we're very close to a break here, but at 312-644-6767, if you could have Jim Harbaugh in this Bears organization being the coach, would you accept Jim Harbaugh as GM and head coach? And he's it. He's the football person. If that's what it would cost the Bears to have Jim Harbaugh, would you do that? 312-644-6767. I'm just I'm very curious as to how badly you want Jim Harbaugh, because that might be the cost. Jim Harbaugh would bring in his own, I don't know, lieutenant guy whose position should be above him but isn't but Jim Harbaugh has all has all of the leverage I guess if the Bears really want him would that be bad would that be bad if he if he had that and he brought in his own lieutenant another football guy I, I just again it would be the Peter principle putting guys above where they should be and and that Bears have a history of doing that they do that with a lot of they do that with a lot of coordinators you know Matt Nagy was a perfect example he was he was way down there he was a, a he called plays for about three minutes, and the Bears made him a head coach. And and Mark Trussman was in Canada, so he wasn't oh, even yeah. in this country when he was doing all that stuff. And it's just it's the Bears have a history of of living by the Peter principle, promoting people beyond Peter. their uh, their deserve uh, their their abilities, their accomplishments. Well, we, but no, but if they hired Jim Harbaugh, you would I would think that that would be Harbaugh's hire to have his lieutenant, right? Unless we're talking about two different things. I, I just point. I don't know that he's he's all the answers. I would much okay. rather have a football. You know what? I really I want them to go steal Ozzie Newsome from from the Ravens. Is there any way to do that? That's oh what I God. want. That's yeah. I want the Theo Epstein of football. And Ozzie hasn't I I I, I want to see that Whoever that guy is, that guy apparently right now is Bill Belichick, but he's not coming, and he would make the Bears uncomfortable. At some point, I want the Theo Epstein of football because that's the way I think that's the six, the way it works. That's how you make it successful for long term. All right, we got to take a break. When we come back, we will talk money. What 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 do you think the line is on Jim Harbaugh becoming the next? Bears. I bet the chances are not great, according to Vegas. Well, let's go find out from Ryan Horvat, who's on BetMGM. We will talk to him about that and the playoff games. You can hear them all on the score, by the way. We are your wild card weekend headquarters, starting with Raiders and Bengals. And we'll do all that next. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score.
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.